post on YouTube true story of two strangers who worked to camp together and their lives on our final self being late and start being real. I'm Eric. Pops. Ah, oh, changed it from Pops. It's just Ezra. Rock Road Elementary, class of 06, valedictorian. We brought back the classic intro for this one episode only because it is just, in fact, us two on this episode today. Yes, sir. Um, I will warn you, we're having some audio issues. We're trying to figure it out. We apologize in advance. So this might be a shorter episode if it just sounds like absolute dog shit. I'll let you know that right now. With that being said, do we have any pre-first topic topics? Um, pre-first topic topics? I don't currently have any. All right. Me for once? Me either. Um, I think first topic of the day, easy topic. At what age or stage in your life are alcohol graveyards done for? If you don't know what alcohol graveyard is, it's pretty simple. You finish a bottle, you hang it, you put it somewhere, usually over like cabinets or something. I think once you're out of college, you probably got to cut that out. I I agree. I'd say um, out of college or over 23. 23. So like you get like a or two after college yes and you've got to give that built-in stipulation because i know some niggas in college who are like 25 26 so i don't want them to think they can still do it just because they're still in college like no you're a grown man yeah i don't know i think yeah i think college graduation yeah but i i will agree if you you know maybe you took a year off or something actually no just yeah yeah 23 or when you graduate college whichever comes first um maybe maybe no, because I feel like yeah, I was going to say maybe if you're old, like, you know, you have some nicer stuff you want to display. But at the same time, like if you have nicer stuff, I think once you graduate, you kind of transition to like you have a little wine card. I have like a fucking little bar thing that we use. Like you kind of display your alcohol that you have, not that you've that, consumed. That's what I was going to say. I was like part of being an adult, like you have the money, the means to go buy this bottle and display the bottle that's not empty. Like, I don't need to hang a Hennessy bottle because we can go in the cabinet and then you can pour yourself some Hennessy. Yeah, I would never buy it. The only, um, there's probably like a few bottles that I spent a shit ton of money on it that I might keep. Like, I don't even know. It's like the Azul ones or something that are like just oh. crazy expensive that people like definitely have. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they're like 160 Um. I would probably, if I were to keep that, I don't think I would display it empty. I think I've seen people do like, I don't know, put fucking flowers in it or something. Like I can get mm-hmm. behind that more than like a graveyard of that. I'd never have a graveyard and display it empty. I was going to say at most, I might keep the box and the box is probably staying in like my liquor cabinet behind the other bottles. Or I just would never let the bottle get empty. Like, it get to, like, halfway, and I just stop drinking it. <laughs> just, hey, I'm going to have this. No one can ever have any of it again. <laughs> Graveyards are cool, though. I feel like, you know, there's definitely a time and place for it. Word about, or um, it's a little bit different, but people who would take, like, the beer box cans and, like, make a wall no. out of it. Yeah, you're you're a different breed of person that we've also got to get rid of. Um, before I get rid of them, also the niggas who, like, smoke, smoke, and, like, they'll keep the blunt wrappers and, like, make it a wallpaper of all the blunts they've rolled. I'm like, nigga, stop. I wanted to know if there were, like, rules for a graveyard. Like, why are shorties keeping, like, fucking Svetka bottles? <laughs> like, when does it, like, what quality bottle do you even keep? 
I mean, I think when you're starting out your graveyard, you're probably taking any and everything. And I think you, you know, once you have a nice collection, then you start swapping out garbage for nicer stuff. But yeah, or people kind of reset like after every semester, every year, they're like, all right, this is done for. We'll start a new one. X, Y, Z. Yeah, I've never I'm not mad at the restarting. I've never been a graveyard person. I know a couple of people who have been. And to me, I didn't. You've got to pick. If you're going to be a graveyard person, I hate you, first off. You've got to pick. You're either a graveyard person and you're in it for quality or you're in it for quantity. It cannot be both. You can't be, like, collecting, like, special edition Woodford Reserves and have them next to your six E&J bottles. (laughs) Like, it can't be both. I mean, I think you'd probably... I don't think you should have multiple of the same bottle unless it's, like, a higher-end thing. And people do that though, and that's the that's what the quantity ones go for, because they're just trying to like prove to you that they drank, and it'd be like fifteen Schmeckner bottles, and I'm like, bitch, what? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think when you're first starting, anything goes. You know, you're just trying to build up numbers and looks, but after a while, we're looking for quality, we're looking for some variety. Um, I think you, I think you want to have a well curated, you know, graveyard if you're going to have one. Absolutely, I think. Um, I'm not, I think graveyards and like the, the beer walls are in the same vein. Like, I don't hate it. Like uh, my roommate, um, he did that one year and I was like, it's kind of cool. Like it was a unique little thing. Uh, you could probably do some sick picks in front of it for being honest. <laughs> um, he, he, he never wanted me to expose him for this, but when he first started, you know, you're only supposed to use one side of it. He was doubling yeah. up cause he didn't, he didn't drink enough beer at that time. Um, this oh, is, no. I hate to expose him right now, but it's, it's many years removed. You know, that was in 2017. We're all adults now, but yeah, I am going to expose him now for that. feels good to get it off my chest. Here's later. <laughs> feels good. For some reason, I'm looking at this picture of this beer, this uh, little beer wall, and I'm like, do I have to bring this back? Nah, let that stay exactly where it's at. I don't know, dude. I'm looking at these champagne of beers just scattered throughout. It looks so good. Yeah, that's something that I'm happy that um, niggas aren't doing still. You think there's like, I'm sure, I'm sure some, some, someone on TikTok or some like influencer is going to try to like bring that back in some capacity. Oh, Absolutely. People are going to be like, oh, my God, that, that room is so dope, not knowing that niggas have been doing this for, like, 20 years. I wonder if we can get our intern. Shout out. We have an intern, and Shout out. Um, yeah, big, big moves. To, like, I, I always have these ideas that I never want to follow through with, but now I have someone who could do that. If we could get Anne to, like, make that a parody and see if it could pop off. We might have to. Or it would, or it would just get people so angry if, like, it was a video like, hey, guys, I just thought about this super cool thing. Never been done before. And you have yeah. thousands of people in the comments saying, oh, my God, you don't know what a beer wall is. Way to be a child. Like, oh, yeah, there's so much potential there. Yeah. Oh, there is some potential there. For sure. New topic. How old were you when you realized the world doesn't care about you unless you bring something to the table? What do I, I did wow. not stagger these questions. in a, in a Another gym. From the Michael Beasley episode of the Pivot Podcast. Only boys I'll ever shout out. It was a gym and it was heartbreaking and it was gut-wrenching. But at one point he said, he learned at a very young age. He said, I learned at like four or five 
Don't nobody care about you unless you can bring something to the table, unless you can do something for them. He said from the moment he was young, he was taller than the other kids. From that moment, people was like, hey, don't forget about me when you make it to the NBA. Hey, when you make it to the NBA. And I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know what? I didn't make it to the NBA or the NFL. I've had similar conversations. But when did I actually realize that, like, don't nobody care about you unless you bring something to the table? Middle school. Middle school is when that set in. Um, I think I knew privilege. I knew some people got treated better than other people. But I had one teacher who liked football in specific to the point that he knew me when I got to middle school from knowing about my Pop Warner days. What? Yeah. And um, he always treated us a little better. And then when it was time to play middle school ball, this is when I knew that um, the world was different if you could bring something to the table. He was an asshole. He was probably like one of the trashest teachers out. He would roast people. He was rude. He was inconsiderate. I honestly think he was a little racist, but one of the baddest niggas in that class got away with everything, never bringing his work, coming in late, eating in class when you weren't supposed to, talking, being on your phone, because that's when the phones was really popping for real. I was allowed to do all that, and I remember him getting on other niggas' head, and that's when it hit me. These niggas owe me favors because they need me. <laughs> I think I was honestly around 11 or 12 when I realized um, the world don't give a fuck about you unless you can bring something to the table or do something for them. Because there were people in that class who were way smarter than me, who had way better grades in that specific class. But I was the one being treated the best. Yours is definitely something. Of Michael Beasley at like four or five years old realizing that, I feel like I don't even want to know what his childhood was like if that's when he was figuring out. Right there is so much trauma in that episode, it hurts. I can't, I can't even pretend to have ever been anywhere near anything like that. That young is a crazy time to realize it, and I honestly don't think he's lying. After hearing him talk, I think he really knew from that early on. Me, I don't think I realized it until... Like seventh, eighth grade. Was he from like the hood, hood, like DC? Yeah, he's from, uh, he from the Nova DC area, PG County. So he he from the hood. So do you think like when you grow up in the hood and like especially like old heads that are still living there, like if you've had a couple people make it out, like you can see at a very young age, like he was saying, and that's why they were saying that to him. I think so. I don't know how much you know about PG County. There's a documentary on it on Showtime. Kevin Durant's also from PG County. He produced the documentary. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant and Michael Beasley played ball together from 11 on. So PG County has produced a lot of like star basketball players. A lot of them go to like the same three or four schools in that area because it's got like a lot of history. Um, just like the Nova, PG County, Be More areas, like pumped out basketball players. So if you're an old head, you probably seen it. And even at four or five, you might think that, you know what, my son can bounce a ball a little better than some of these other kids. Maybe he do got it. Mm. Super interesting. Uh, There's something just super, in my opinion, like weird about that middle school teacher of yours. Because, like, I I can understand it more if you were a high school teacher and, like, hey, these kids definitely have potential and they could be going to, like, colleges and all that maybe the pros like that makes sense but like 
who the fuck is scouting Pop Warner football? I'm going to tell you right now, he knew about me by the time I got to middle school. He also became the track coach in uh, seventh, eighth grade. And this nigga was like my best friend slash biggest rider ever because he saw so much potential in me. I truly, not that he saw so much potential in me. It wasn't potential, nigga. I was it. I was nice. Like, I don't need him to tell people he saw this potential. I think for him it was he wanted to be like, I saw this talent beforehand. Like, I knew about it before y'all knew about it. And at the end of the day, like, nigga, you teach eighth grade environmental science. Nobody cared. Like, this is middle school. Yeah, that's like a, I get that. Like, but at the same time, like, it is middle school. Like, who knows how much life could fucking pan out and injuries and just situations. Like, you never fucking know. I, I, something about the middle school is just so weird to me. No, it is definitely kind of strange. I don't know if there was like an exact age where I realized that. So I'm trying to think like I think when you like when you're a sports fan growing up, like you clearly have just a general knowledge of people who do sports and are good at them, obviously just get better treatment in life. Um, and I was never any star athlete where I was getting clear, better treatment. So I don't know if there was an exact age, but I feel like when would you want to teach your kids about that? Like, let's say they're not good at, at like sports, so they're just not going to get that treatment from the jump. Like, how early should you be telling your kids that? Like, I think I realized it in middle school, but I think my mom told me a little bit before middle school. Or it might have been right around that time because um, I know she told me something similar during my Pop Warner days where she was pretty much just like, yeah, they like you now because you got something that they need. You, you're the product. So it was like, if the product ever go away, are these people going to like you? And that was a way of like letting me know like how to pick friends. And I never really applied it to anything more than that because I was like 10, like, stop talking to me so I can play the game. Mom. <laughs> um, probably, you probably got to tell your kid that probably around like their adolescent years because you can be like, ignorance is bliss. And you can be like young and innocent up until about middle school. And then it is somebody's job who knows about life to probably let you in on this secret. Like, yeah, niggas going to get treated better than you. It's a dog-eat-dog world. Nepotism exists. Favoritism exists. There are going to be people who bring more than the table or someone deems them as bringing more to the table, and they're going to get treated better than you just because of that alone. Yeah, I was thinking, like, this is probably one you can, like, usher in. I was thinking around, yeah, like, same time, like, adolescence, like 12, 14 area, depending on it. Where you can kind of roll that in with a like, sure, in theory, you could do anything and be anything. But realistically, that's not exactly on the table. So just, you know, consider that also when you go through your day-to-day life. I feel like you would also pencil this. This one might be a little harder. But you could probably also throw the, like, pretty girl privilege into there. And you got to let them know, like, attractive people or people who are deemed, like, attractive by society are also going to be treated better. Maybe you're telling your kid, hey, since you're attractive, don't let it go to your head because people will treat you better. Or maybe your kid ugly. You let them know, like, nigga, you're going to be treated bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> they could still progress. A lot of people have gloves in their later ages. No, they do. The problem with that is um, they glow up after the treatment's done. Because by about, like, college professionalism, career-wise, they tend to try to wean that out. It still exists. It just ain't as blatant. Your time to really compromise, not compromise, to um, maybe it's, it's not compromise, capitalize off of that would be probably high school. 
I just wouldn't want my kid to peak in high school. That's just a that's you never want your kid to be peaking. In I high don't school. want my kid to peak in high school, but I also don't want my kid to miss out on blessings because he thinks those blessings will come later in life. Because the older you get, the more accountable people around you have to be. You might be able to date the baddest bitches in high school and be a dickhead douchebag. And they're going to tolerate that because you're popular. That shit's going to go away by the time you get like 19, 20 in college and are a grown man. Because they're going to be like, no, like this dude sucks. He's handsome, but he's a gaslighter. He's manipulative. He's toxic. So get everything you can while it's in front of you. I don't I wouldn't want an ugly kid. I wouldn't mind my kid during like their earlier years having just a strong, awkward stage where they have to like build up a personality because I feel like that'll help you in the long run. And then assuming that they actually like do glow up at a good time period, like then you're just handsome as fuck and you got a good personality like you're you're in a win win situation. It is. I also struggle with people who, like, don't have personalities. Like, the fuck loser are you? Like, not to be an asshole to those who, like, don't have, like, personalities, but, like, come on. That's the people who had that pretty... They had pretty... Piv- oh, wow. I'm struggling with that. But pretty privilege way too early in life, and then it just continued. So they, like... People are just laughing whatever they say. They're just automatically popular, and then they're just kind of, like, doing whatever. They're the people who think that they're leaders, and then once, like, they lose that pretty privilege, they're, like... No one's around, and they're like, oh, what the fuck happened to me? Yeah. Those are the ones who are, like, having mental breakdowns because life is hard now. And it's, like, (laughs) kind of like you said, like, you peaked in, like, middle school, high school. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you used up all of that. It's a tough look. Speaking of tough looks, is this a tough look for Usher that he might have just been mid in the grand scheme of things and not actually as good as people think he was? I've asked so many people this question on if he was mid, overrated, or underrated. And I probably got like an equal amount. It's probably like almost 50-50 to overrated or underrated. It truly just depends on what you're thinking. To me, he wasn't even mid. He was vastly overrated. Because mm. once you compare him to other R&B pop-adjacent artists of his kind, he's kind of, like, super forgettable. Because, like, here we go. He's not better than Chris Brown. I'll say it right now. He's not better than John Legend. He's not better than Frank Ocean. He's probably on par with, like, he's not better than Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake. So, like, once you get into this category, it's like, how good is he? My bad. John Legend was for strictly R&B, not R&B pop. He's, if it's just R&B, he's not better than like John and like Seal and fucking yeah. But then if it's R&B pop, he's not better than like I said, Chris Brown, Justin Bieber, Justin Timberlake. So like, what is he? Kind of in like the August Alcina tie dollar a little bigger than those niggas, but like he not great. And then if it's like it's not fair because we're comparing people from different generations. That's that's a fair argument people have made. Um, People he's not better than than his generation. R. Kelly. I hate to say it. I hate to bring it up. Couldn't hold a fucking candle to R. Kelly. So, like, this nigga was never, like, that good. I think he's made a great career for himself. But artist-wise, I feel like he was, like, always super mid, low-key. So, that was going to be more my question. Is it almost like, are we not taking into account, like, what he kind of set the floor for? Nah, I think I can account that he's... Because I know he's, like, wrote, and I know he's produced, 
and he's clearly like made a name for himself. I think the best thing he had is like his showmanship per se, but at the same time, people rave about Chris Brown concerts. People people raved about R. Kelly concerts. People raved about Michael Jackson Prince concerts, Justin Timberlake concerts. The only one in that category that I haven't heard people rave about is Justin Bieber. And that's because I don't know if he'd be doing all the dancing to their like level. But at the same time, it's like Buddy might have really just been mid. I mean, let's look at some of his most well-known tracks. Got Yeah, My okay. Boo, DJ Got Us Fallen in Love, Loving This nice. Club. Got Confessions, Confessions Part 2, uh, You Don't Have to Call, Classic, Moving Mountains, uh, Same Girl with R. Kelly, one of my one of my favorite songs for a while. I mean... <laughs> the problem is... If we do that to everybody on this list, we're going to be sitting there like, damn, this was a hit, and this was a little hit more than that one was a hit. The only real ones I'm thinking were like like that, Confessions, My Boo, and then the rest of them is like, yeah, these other niggas' catalogs might smoke you. I would say if you had asked me before we had this conversation, before you brought up this topic a while ago, I would have said I think Usher's probably – right around where he should be but once you start really digging into it i think it's almost more of his name holds more weight than his actual discography does which might be a hot take but i think you you do have some fair points that he had his time and he when he was there he was doing his thing but that kind of be the same time of like any other artist like during that time when you were just popping out hits you know yeah i agree I think what happened is he was amongst too many hitters and his just looking back at it didn't hit as great because he came in after the Michael Jackson princes of the world. He was there along with R. Kelly and then he had to follow that up with niggas like Justin, well, R. Kelly and Justin Timberlake are kind of his era and then he had to follow it up right underneath him was niggas like Chris Brown, Justin Bieber. So like it never led up for there to be like a Usher got a hold on this shit because he never did. He might have been in like the conversation, but he was never at the top of that conversation at one point. I don't think at any of those eras that he would have been able to in those three generations, I don't think anyone was ever like Usher the best out of everyone on the scene. Niggas said that for R. Kelly. Niggas said that for Justin Timberlake. Niggas said that for Chris Brown and Justin Bieber. Nobody's saying that for Usher. You hate to see it if you're Usher. You hate to see it. Do you want to get off your uh, Adele and Beyonce takes, or do you want to save that for a different day? Oh, yeah, they can get these, too. Um, <laughs> Adele is better than Beyonce. I've said it. Um, I think people put Beyonce on a pedestal, and now it's, like, bad to talk bad about Beyonce. That's not the case. Um, Adele, better than Beyonce. Me, if I get a vote, I'm saying Alicia Keys is also better than Beyonce. Adele and Alicia Keys are better than Beyonce. You heard it here first. I don't know if I can go with Alicia Keys, but I can definitely, as someone who's been listening to uh, Adele, credit to me. I I mean, Adele is just like, it's crazy. And I do agree with you. I think that Beyonce's hit a point where if you don't like her or aren't like the biggest fan of her music, you get looked at in a very, very bad way. It's not like we don't like her music, but you you get looked at in such a weird way. I almost feel like sometimes people put some like race and stuff into it, which I don't think we need to when it comes to music necessarily. 
Like it's, I think it's just like the singing ability in the songs that like, I think it's just Adele has better music. That's just my opinion. I agree. I do think Adele has better music. I like her songs better. I like her range. Um, Alicia, love her songs. Love her range. Thanks, he's better. And I've got a boy. I won't say his name because I don't know if he's ready to come out yet on this. Ariana Grande, he puts better than Beyonce. That, that's a take. That is a take. It's a take. I'm not 100% willing to go there yet, but I'll say this. That girl can sing. Oh, she can definitely sing. She she hits the notes. Um, I don't know if her I don't know if her discography is enough. She doesn't have the discography to be a better artist than Beyonce, but she might have the voice to be a better singer than Beyonce. Mm. Adele Alicia Keys better singers than Beyonce. Adele better discography. Alicia Keys in my eyes better discography. I'm gonna have to, uh, you know, because I'm a fair person. I've been listening to a, a lot of Adele. I'll jump into Beyonce for the the remainder of this work week, and I'll come back next episode to make sure. Um, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's gonna be hard. You're gonna be falling asleep, and you're gonna be upset because you're gonna miss Adele. You're gonna want to put on some Alicia. We'll see. I'm, I'll, I'll dip into a little bit of Alicia, see what she can bring to the table as well. I'm fair. I'm a fair ruler here. Have you ever been so optimistic that you became stupid? I can't act like that's me. That was from Beasley, the interview. When he said it, you felt the pain. And then I started to think about it. And I was like, you know what? Yes. There have been times in my life where I have thought the best of the situation, or I had wanted the best out of somebody, that I started to believe them. I started to drink the Kool-Aid, and then I ended up looking stupid, feeling stupid, thinking I was stupid, because it was like, I gave you so much benefit of the doubt, so much benefit of the doubt, and this is what happened. Or you wanted and you wanted and you wanted something to go right so bad that you didn't even consider what could go wrong, and then when, when it goes wrong, you look stupid. I've definitely been so optimistic that I ended up looking stupid. I can definitely say, you know, in my in my life, I've had faith in people who have definitely let me down in certain situations. Not a great look. You got to learn from it. I'll say I definitely, when I was looking for jobs, like throughout the years, whenever I would get like an interview or I'd get a follow-up interview, like I would stupidly like take the foot off the gas with like applying for places and kind of sit back and like try to enjoy it. And I'm like, listen, there's no way I don't get this job. And you take the interview, and I killed that fucking one week later. Oh, we're moving in a different direction. And you're like, God damn, I took a week off of doing stuff. Like I was feeling so good. I don't know why I did that. I've changed from now. Like even when I was getting interviews, I would still apply to a shit ton of places. And I, I can never, I'll never be able to explain why I just get so so comfortable with just any little bit of success at times. It's a very interesting I'll, trait. I'll tell you the same thing happened to me. It wasn't interviews. It was when we were trying to, when we first got here, and we were trying to get out of this house. Or out of this apartment that we were in. Um, what's our house? Regardless. We had gone and looked at one. We met the lady. We met her dogs. She had three German shepherds. Met the dogs. She was nice. She was letting us know that she hasn't rented in like two or three years. She had been renovating. She was getting the house together so she could do us the right way. She understood we were coming from a shitty situation. Um, she showed remorse for our situation, told us that she was going to work with us and drop a little off the price. We had a handshake agreement deal right there. She said she just needed like the 
vetting to check out. So optimistic that we went and had a celebratory dinner. We <laughs> thought we were getting out of here. Come to find out a couple of weeks later, she told us that she'd hear by us by a certain point. That day missed. She didn't text. Eventually, she sent a text saying she was sorry and that she met a girl who was willing to pay like upfront six months or whatever. And she was going to pay the full price and this and that. And that's who she went with. Now, so optimistic about this. Stop looking at other houses. Stop calling about houses. Celebrated this. And then it was like, damn, like I look like a dummy. Bro, I don't like I don't know what it is about humans where it's like when you feel like you got it in the ba- I mean, I guess it makes sense. If you feel like you got it in the bag, you just kind of you're like, cool, this is it. We're done for. Yeah, it's something about that. Like, I guess at any given moment, anything can go wrong. But when you're locked in and you really think you killed something, you just, like it like it is. You were so optimistic. You, you ended up looking stupid because you're just so locked in. It's like, yeah, this could happen. But that's not going to happen to me. And then it does. <laughs> it's uh, uh, once you start doing apartment hunting, like I think what, yeah, when we first came out here and we're like trying to find places, especially because it was during COVID too. So like trying to even get like actual in-person uh, like tours and stuff was like an issue. Um, and we had, we had looked at a place and it was like one of the first or second place that we had looked at. Um, we were like, oh, we like that. They're pretty cool about stuff. Like, this sounds good. But, you know, we had, like, a bunch of fucking places lined up because we were here for the weekend. So we did, like, two full days of it. And then at the end of it, we were like, oh, I think I like that place. We're going to put an application in. And it was like, we were like, hey, we don't see the posting. Like, what, what should we do? And the lady was like, oh, yeah. Like, the people right after you, like, came and loved it and just did it right there. And I was like, God damn it, dude. Yeah, that hurts the most. But, I mean, I think it worked out for the best. I think our place now is honestly, although the time it was, like, our second choice, I think it worked out better. And I, I really enjoy the the balcony access that we have. So, shout out. I do love that for you. Um, let's talk about unlearning behavior. I think it's a super interesting um, topic to think about because I think people always think about adapting and growing as learning new skills. And I think a lot of people don't factor in that you have to unlearn a lot of toxic things that you've learned throughout your lifestyle or things that you were brought up in and you thought were good. Like, I think one of the things for me was it was kind of like kind of like unlearning, keeping things in and being able to communicate. I think that was a big thing that I'm still trying to work through is like being communicated with my partner and opinions and other things. And I've definitely gotten more open at work. I'll just fucking let some stuff rip now because who the fuck cares? But yeah, I think that was a big thing that I needed to kind of unlearn to relearn. For me, uh, yeah, unlearning behavior is huge. It's part of growth. I think, like you said, it's very underrated. People do acquire, uh, not acquire they do um, relate growing to learning new things, learning new things. But unlearning things is a massive part. I think to me, one of the biggest things I truly had to unlearn was like family relationships. And what I mean by, or like the handling of family relationships, what I mean by that is, like I've been saying, I'm from a, my parents are Southern and they're religious. And there's just certain things that do and don't happen down South. Um, we're not one of those. I didn't grow up being one of those families who like 
tell each other they love you enough, not enough, but often, or like get off the phone with somebody and say, I love you, bye, or they be texting, I love you, and checking in on like them on an emotional base. That's just not how we grew up. Like, you ain't need your parents to tell you they love you because they showed you they love you. I don't need my mom or dad to like sit me down or give me a hug and tell me they love me by before I got the door because it's just assumed. And I think the older I got, the more I had to realize like that is how they were raised and that is how I was raised. But there's nothing wrong with um, it being different. So I had to unlearn that because I used to think it was weird as shit when I'd be talking to like my friends and they moms like, I love you. Bye. I'm like, nigga, you a grown man. The fuck she telling you she love you for it? <laughs> You're not her boyfriend. That's that's so toxic. Hey, your mom says he love you like pussy ass motherfucking mom loving him and shit. Yeah, I, I truly was like, bro, like, are you good? Like, soft <laughs> bitch. Because <laughs> like it was, it just wasn't a thing. Like hugging and things like that, like with your family, that was like whatever. I ain't need to hug my dad ever or my mom ever. But like growing up not growing up, but like being grown and looking back at it now, there's nothing wrong with it. So I had to unlearn like the notions I had in my head where it was like, eh, that's some weird shit. Do we think a lot of things that people need to unlearn is from like things they were raised and taught or grew up in? Or is there just stuff that like people have just done throughout their years that they need to unlearn? I feel like it has to be more stuff that you were raised in. I'd probably attribute like 60% because you were raised by people for 18 years. So that's most of your life. I probably, not most of your life, but most of your like life up until the point where you used to be unlearning, which probably would be like young adulthood. I'd probably equate like 60% of the unlearning to family stuff. Not saying that you have to unlearn 60% of what you learned as a family, but like if you had a pie of things you're unlearning, 60% of that pie would be things that came from like your family. Um, and then the other 40% would probably be like social. Like the things that you picked up from your bad fucking friends or friends you were like real cool with that you're not even friends with anymore. The like bad habits or traits or verbiage or whatever that you picked up from them. Those are probably things you've got to unlearn as you grow in life. Like there were probably things you were doing because you thought it was cool or you thought it was the right thing, or you were told by someone, this is how you treat your girlfriend, or your, you had a girlfriend who told you, like, this is what's expected of you. Those are things that you also probably have to unlearn at some point. Yeah, toxic relationship stuff is probably a big thing of unlearning. That's Absolutely. And a lot of them happen in, like, high school. So once you become an adult, you got to look back and be like, you know what? That's weird. Like, that shouldn't have played out like that. For men or women, if I know guys who have girlfriends who like belittled them, berated them, they pretty much waited hand on feet on them. You've got to unlearn that. I know females who have had boyfriends who like broke their confidence, made them think that this is what a girlfriend is. This is what a girlfriend has to do. That's also something you've got to unlearn. Yeah, there's a big difference. I think people get confused between like chivalry and doing nice acts for someone and like thinking that. Like, you should be a slave to them or you need to be on them hands and feet. Like, there's a big difference. And I feel like at a young age, people get that confused, especially if you're dating someone who's toxic. That can definitely get very murky very quickly. Yeah, that can, absolutely. Because then you, if you don't unlearn that, you're going about every next relationship bringing these things into it. And it, 
You can be bringing things that truly make you unhappy as a person that you think is required to make someone else happy, that they have no stipulations in their mind that this is a need or a requirement. And now you're bringing this in because you had a boyfriend or girlfriend before that told you this is the only way that you're ever going to make somebody else happy. And now you're unhappy still doing this. And this person never needed that anyway. We've got to start unlearning behaviors. I think another thing that should be unlearned is uh, I feel like for a while there was a big push to say yes to everything and people should always be trying to do things all the time. I'm very anti that. I think you should, if anything, be learning how to say no more often to things that you just don't want to do. I feel like people just always feel like they need to do something or miss out. And I'm like, bro, if you don't want to go, like I don't, I'm not saying you need to say no to every single thing that goes on in your life. But if you just really don't feel like wanting to go, just say no. It's more than okay to stay home. I agree. I 100% agree that you've got to learn how to say no, just like I agree and I've been saying for a while, you've got to learn how to not care about some things because people want you to care about every cause and want to contribute or volunteer or why aren't you posting this? Do you not care about this cause? It's okay to not give a fuck. The same way it's okay to not give a fuck and you got to learn to not give a fuck about everything and not let people guilt you into caring about everything. That's the same way you need to learn and not give a fuck about saying no to things. If it's something you don't want to do, say no. Like, that is okay. You've got, I think the biggest thing you've got to unlearn, and this probably goes, like, deep-rooted, you've got to unlearn that pleasing people should be your priority. Because I think as, like, just individuals, we want to make people happy, like, naturally. But at the end of the day, at some point, somebody told us that. We've got to learn that our happiness is what matters the most. Yeah, I don't know why people, like, I feel like people want to pretend like they care about their happiness, but then their actions just are completely different from what they're saying. It's because somewhere, somehow, someone, like, instilled in us that we got to care about everybody's feelings, and we've got to be kind in all of this. And at the end of the day, all of those are good traits to have. But I don't think you ever do any of that if that impedes with your happiness or if you're getting to the point where like being kind and being there for others is taking away from you. If that's like so enrooted in you that you're now going out of your way to help people finishing their work projects and you're staying late for people at work and things like that, at some point, you're no longer your first priority. We got to unlearn that. I think um, I think uh, a little tag onto that should also be like the people who are always apologizing we don't need to say i'm sorry for every little thing that's uh that's such a i think it, people are getting away from that now but i feel like i knew a lot of people who would always be like i'm sorry when you're like doing something random and i'm like bro what do you you don't you don't need to apologize for that yeah i that's always been a little troubling for me because i'm not going to apologize for anything i don't genuinely mean because i don't really care how you feel about it so the people who apologize and apologize and apologize, I'm not going to say they don't like love themselves or they need to work on loving themselves better. I just feel like they're so involved with like making others happy and comfortable that like they're lessening themselves or diminishing their feelings. There's no reason for you to apologize six, seven times for like little shit that don't matter. Like you don't got to do that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a big learning curve of like, just because something might have happened, like, I don't think that person is going to be thinking about that after. So you definitely don't need to, like, dwell on that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I guess, do we think there's ever an age where you're like pass on learning or a point where you're pass on learning something? I don't, I, I don't think there should be. I don't know if there is, but I think life is all about continuously growing. I don't think you should just stop at like one singular age and be like, ah, it's too late now. I can't unlearn or learn something new, you know? I do think that. In my mind, I think that as well. That makes the most sense. But then, like, realistically, I'm thinking and I'm like, I'd hate for somebody to be listening. They're 20 years into a marriage and they realize the thing that they've been doing for the last 10 years they don't like and they're going to unlearn. And now they husband hate them because I feel like at some point there are some things where we do need to unlearn some things, a lot of things, and we do need to grow. But people can get in a consistent pattern. And now if you change that consistent, habitual pattern, is the people that you're changing this for? Like, how? what are what are we saying their expectations are? If you, if you decide that you want to unlearn things, and now that is like a direct change in how you've been handling relationships with different people, whether it's friends, whether it's boyfriends, whether it's a wife or kids, are they supposed to just accept that you unlearned it? Are they supposed to be like, dang, like we've been doing this for 10 years and it was running smooth? I mean, I think that you should the the people who are affected should be able to also learn that change is happening. I mean, I think it would probably I think you, I think you should have the option to change. I think it would probably depend on like the severity and like what's going on. Um, but I mean, I think you just have to learn and adapt at the end of the day. Um, and but also at the same time. You should also be able to communicate with that person like about what the change is, why it's happening and like get to a common ground. Cause I, I do think there is something to be said about just uprooting and changing something on a whim. Like you're also doing someone a disservice and that's not the greatest thing at the same time. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned communication. Um, we spoke on a lot of unlearning. It was just making me think, I think that's probably the most like underrated trait. I feel like everybody thinks they're a good communicator. That is not the case. If more people worked on being better communicators, all of their relationships would like, I bet it would start to skew in a positive direction. Oh, for sure. I think that was one of the uh, helpful things with me and Anne's relationship. And it sounds like so stupid when like I explain it, but it was like whenever we would like get into fights about like stupid stuff or just in general, like we would almost do that therapy thing, like where we would just come down and be like, all right, so this is like what happened and this is how I react and this is why and this is how I feel about it. And like it sounds so stupid when like you do it, but when you actually have that like very honest, just open conversation about what the issue is, why like it caused you to feel whatever way and like I don't know why it's just like, you're like, Oh, I get that. I understand that. Like, Oh, that wasn't my intention. And then you're almost just like, cool. That's done with now compared to like, you know, if you have a fight and then you're just doing passive aggressive stuff and like not talking, like, and then you have a bigger fight because you weren't addressing other fights. Like it's small communication, things like that sounds super, but it helps out so much. It absolutely does. Absolutely does. So yeah, communication huge. I mean, especially like you have to think about this, like people who have you're dating people from, you know, let's say different towns, different states, you move in together. Like there's so many different factors about how people were raised, grown up with, like 
things are not going to be perfect, but if you just expect that people are going to follow your pattern or you whatever you're doing all the time, like that shit's not going to work. So you need to be communicative about it if you want to have any kind of success in the future. I couldn't agree more. Um, while we're speaking traits, just hit me out of nowhere. What do you think the the most overrated trait is? Because I've got a hot take. I'm going to have to hear your hot take to know what you mean. Respect. <laughs> I think respect is the most overrated trait. And here's why. Um, me personally, I'm going to encounter and treat everybody I meet with respect. That's just the man I am. Um, I, I'm a real easy person to get along with. Don't call me on my name. I'm not going to call you out. It's simple shit like that. But I think where the world is today, now that I sound like a fucking old head, um, I think respect is kind of capped for real. Because depending on who you ask, respect means different things to them. And with respect meaning different things to them, I think it gets watered down because I think people start seeing it as meaning that it needs to fit more of that mold. At the end of the day, somebody's only going to treat you the way they fucking feel like treating you. And you're going to do nothing about it but accept it. Because we're grown men. We're grown women. Whatever it is, you're not about to Fight somebody because they disrespected you. You might say, oh, I don't like that. You know what they're going to do? Not give a fuck and keep doing what they was doing. I think respect is probably overrated. If you're going to be respectful, cool. I'm going to be respectful. But like those people who think they have to like demand and they need, they got to have respect. That's weird to me because like a nigga going to treat you exactly how he do or don't want to. And when he treats you how you don't want to be treated, what you going to do? Ask him to stop. Yeah, it's kind of like the, um, it's like in theory, everybody should be treated with respect and you should be treated the way you want to be treated. But unfortunately, in the real world, it doesn't exactly work like that, which is a tough lesson to learn for a lot of people. Absolutely. But I, I, I think, you know, people, I think it's, you should at least have, I don't know, it's like kind of earn respect, but also I think there should be a certain level of respect and then it can, you know, grow or diminish depending on your interactions um, you can lose my respect i don't know if you can i'm a respect like long as you never d- did me dirt i'm gonna respect you you can definitely lose my respect i feel like the earn my respect is always that's just always been kind of weird to me because what's somebody supposed to do to earn your respect i don't know maybe if you have super low low expectations for them and then you're like oh you're actually pretty solid overall yeah, you're not as shitty as I thought you were going to be. Yeah. Um, do you have any porch talk, sports talk before we wrap this thing up? Uh, only thing I really got is um, we got rid of Matt Ryan. Um, that's huge. We signed Cordell Patterson, which I don't like at all. Um, outside of it, that's about it. Just complaints. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, draft comes up soon. I'm very excited to see how this plays out. Um, we, Malik Willis had a good pro day, but as we all know, everybody – has a great proto. Hey, did you see that uh, David and Jobu video where he tore his Achilles? Really? Yeah, he tore his Achilles at his pro day, and then but there was a lot of talk about how like he literally like it was a non-contact went down holding his Achilles, and like all the coaches and stuff were just kind of like standing around. Like one guy that was running the drill, they thought they were gonna walk up to him. He like walked past him and pick up the ball, and I was like, "What are we doing here, dude?" I hate to hear that. Um, oh, last sports team. Uh, the SWAC had their pro day today, the HBCU conference, the SWAC, not the MEAC, but the SWAC. Dion called out nine NFL teams for not showing up. Um, 
And I like that. I like that energy. I actually do very much agree with you. I was very disappointed to see that the Eagles did, in fact, not show up either. Yeah, that one hurt a little bit. But I was like, you know what? It's good that he's in this position because there have probably been years where there was 20, 30 teams not showing up for these pro days. Yeah, I feel like it's just like a... Like I don't want to say it's because Dion's there, but like if there was probably one swack team that you were going to show up to, it should probably be Jackson State. Yeah, I think Dion there is a cut it out. I think Dion there is a big component. It's kind of crazy to me because like teams will go out and look at like D two and D three players at their pro days. The swag's still D one, so like what are we doing? Yeah, you gotta send. Like he said, you can send one person. Just one. yeah, it don't gotta be your GM. It don't gotta be your owner. It don't gotta be the head coach, the head scout. Anybody, you ain't saying nobody. Yeah, like come on, guys. Just, just, just for I, I guarantee you next year, thirty-two teams for sure. Absolutely. And if not, you, you better not be the one that decides not to. Yeah, that'd be a weird look. Let's wrap this podcast up. Do some music and TV recommendations. Music, Lil Dirk's new album, shit is fire. You can listen through the whole thing. TV, um, really just watching the shy. Um, music wise, I was on a little bit of a Mac Miller kick this morning, so I'm just gonna go. Uh, congratulations from the Divine Feminine album. Mac Miller's so good, man. It's a shame he's gone. Um, uh, TV wise, back on Gilmore Girls now that Anna is back. Watched a couple episodes the other day. Pretty solid. Almost, almost done with the. Uh, the original series, and then we'll hop on to the uh, Netflix series that they did a little four-episode thing after that. So shout out. Um, And with that being said, we're going to wrap this podcast up. So thank you for listening. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Porch Talk, No A, Lewis Review, and Apple Podcasts. Lewis Review on Spotify. Share the podcast with a friend. We greatly appreciate you. Um, think that's been it. So we appreciate you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Get in, with it.